I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, we begin by getting you caught up on all the stories from over the weekend, but especially the fallout from Joe Biden's announcement that he'll be lifting the Title 42 border restrictions that have been designed to keep us protected from the coronavirus. Even some Democrats think this move is nuts, and I elaborate in some detail. Also in the opening, another radical position from Kentonji Brown-Jackson has come to light. Sarah Palin's running for Congress. Tony Blinken is hanging out with Bono, and Ukraine seems to have the upper hand over Russia in the ongoing war, at least for now, and so much more. Two guests today. First is Oliver Lane, our London bureau chief, who breaks down the landslide victory of Viktor Orban in Hungary in the elections that took place over the weekend. And fan favorite Charlie Hurt joins the show to talk about pretty much everything. All that to come, but first, a word from our sponsors. right now. And I want to go back to Friday to begin with more efforts being made to drop these Title 42 border protections by Joe Biden. And the the timing of it is just absolutely horrible. And everyone seems to be uh, calling him out for this. But uh, what does that mean? So on May the 23rd, Joe Biden will further open our southern border, which is largely open anyway, uh, because for whatever reason, border barriers are not acceptable to one of the two major political parties in the United States. That is, of course, the Democrat Party. And many in the Republican Party don't really care for borders anyway because they love the idea of a flood of cheap labor. And the reason why you have a flood of cheap labor, what does that do? It drives down the wages of Americans. And that helps the bottom lines of people like the Bush family. And that's why for years this has been uh, the, the the effort of the Republican establishment, and luckily some folks in the anti-establishment right, led by none other than Breitbart News, uh, half a decade or so ago decided that was not a good idea. And Donald Trump took up that mantle, and though I don't think he went as far as uh, many of us would have liked in terms of achieving those goals, at least it was a hard reset that was done. Uh, but Joe Biden had in place, due to the coronavirus pandemic, something called Title 42, which meant that we had some uh, additional restrictions due to the fact that there is coronavirus, due to the fact that there is something called SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, that is wreaking havoc upon the planet. And uh, to this day, if you look at the seven-day rolling averages, we're looking at um, around half of the cases as we had a year ago and nearly the same death toll. And I think the case number would be higher, aside from I don't think we're doing the same level of testing. I think that's pretty clear. And just anecdotally, how many of you know um, people who have coronavirus? You know, we had um, someone who works on the show every day just had it. Um, Our social media director, Breitbart, just had it. We had a uh, Mrs. Dr. Marlowe is going to be working extra this week because one of her colleagues has it. And they're just it's just going around. It's just still here. It's obvious it's still here and it's going to come back. And there's going to be even if it is not at a high level now, we know that we're going to all have to deal with it. Um, It's just one of those things that's going to happen. But for whatever reason, uh, the Democrats have decided the coronavirus is over at the border. Now, that said, the coronavirus is not over for all these three-year-olds who are in preschools across the country who still have to wear masks. Uh, It is not over when you look at Joe Biden's budget and you're seeing all of these additional spending measures ostensibly due to coronavirus. It is not over for the people who want to have the continued, uh, the, the continued, um, cheat by mail laws that were in place ostensibly to keep people safe from coronavirus, but are really designed to make it easier for Democrats to vote for uh, to vote in elections, which was arguably the reason why Joe Biden was able to get across the finish line. There are a few other things, and we'll be um, getting into some of that, by the way, uh, later in the week as well. But this is the coronavirus exists with cheat by mail and with the mass toddlers. Uh, and with the spending, but does not exist at our southern border. Why is that? Well, because Biden likes an open border. And even some Democrats are pushing back on this one um, because they're suggesting that there's it's already the problem is too out of control anyway. 
you already have a million migrants on Biden's watch, as we mentioned last week. And he's not done there. John Binder writes for us over the weekend, Biden's next move, busing, flying thousands of illegal aliens into American communities every day. President Biden is planning to hugely expand the catch and release network at the United States-Mexico border after ending the Title 42 Border Control Authority by increasing the number of border crossers and illegal aliens who will be put on buses and flights to American communities. It's a, how are our communities doing right now? Is everything going so great? Are we doing so, is everything going so great that we can afford to take all this on? I just looked at a study that we did or that we wrote up from the National Fraternal Order of Police. 101 officers shot in the line of duty this year. Um, There is a man named Eric Garcetti, who is the mayor of Los Angeles, who is doing such a bad job. They're trying to get him out of there by making the ambassador to India, but they can't even get him approved because even though he's one of the furthest left mayors, period, he didn't sufficiently pander to Black Lives Matter, so some people on the far left don't like him. There's a homelessness crisis and there is a crime crisis in the city of Los Angeles. And Garcetti himself cut $150 million from the LA Police Department during the 2020 Summer of Love riots. And he did this in order to pander to the Black Lives Matter movement, which by the way, he went out in the middle of the heat of the pandemic and you know, marched not socially distanced with the Black Lives Matter rioters. But they can't even get him approved because he's not far left enough. That's how nutty our cities have gone in the United States. And yet, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be uh, bussing and flying more illegal aliens into it because we're taking controls off our borders. This is not the way a sane country behaves, but because the Biden administration only looks at the establishment media and barely even that when they look at where pressure is being applied to them, uh, this still goes on. So the New York Times even admits that, and it, you can you can bet this is going to be a wild undersell, that the ending of Title 42 means 18,000 illegal crossings per day at the border, additionally. We have another headline at Breitbart that Biden wants to replace border detention centers with house arrest and provide illegal aliens with taxpayer-funded attorneys, which we already do. He's wants more funds for it. Uh, Penny Starr writes for us at Breitbart News that this move will make the number of detention centers decrease while illegal population will continue to grow inside the U.S. and provide a roadmap for relatives and others who are trying to get into the U.S. That's the other thing, too, is you got the chain migration, which is arguably worse than the open borders. We did a lot of content on this a few years ago when this became the big project of, um, I think it was Stephen Miller in the White House, the Trump White House. Basically saying that, you know, the, the open border is bad. It was actually worse. It's chain migration, which means one person gets through and then all of a sudden they're pulling in family member after family member after family member. So uh, while the whole world wants to talk about Ukraine and Will Smith, uh, you know, slapping Chris, Chris Rock, both of which are very valid things to discuss. This is what's going on. Biden is because the coronavirus is over only south of our border and nowhere else. He is now going to make it much, much, much easier to immigrate in the country illegally. So, of course, he should be impeached for this. I think you can add that to the list of, uh, I think, his his decision not to drill in the United States during the energy crisis. I think you can add that to the list uh, with uh, his Afghanistan debacle where people literally got killed, including children, thanks to his incompetence. But uh, just uh, the list is adding up. So if efforts to impeach him uh, don't take place in the beginning of January of next year, when uh, presumably a massive majority of Republicans get sworn in to the House and Senate, then uh, we're making mistakes because he is uh, completely incompetent to continue as president of the United States. It should be removed. Should be removed from office over this, opening our borders right now. We have so many crises at this moment. And that that this it just it just should be at the tip of the tongue for every Republican at this moment. I will mention something. I won't go into f- too much detail on it because it is a little bit outside the area of expertise of mine. And we'll get John Carney back on talk about, but the yield curve inverted, um, which meant that the two year the, the two year Treasury yields was actually higher than the ten year for a while, and then the actually the two year was ahead of the thirty year, which is a horrible sign economically. Um, and this happened on Friday. 
And what Carney writes for us at Breitbart is that this is a reliable market barometer of the risk of future recessions. In fact, it's basically the, a fail-safe. So when the two-year bonds climbs above the 10-year bonds, again, this is above the 30-year bonds, the, this happened Thursday and then Friday, uh, uh, by the way, and we'll keep an eye on it throughout the rest of the week. It's a sign that recession is coming. And of course, this makes sense. If those of you who are not thinking about recession right now are uh, in a dream world, because we're in an inflationary spiral, and uh, the, those basically only end with recessions also. Because what else are we going to do? We can't keep the inflation forever. So what ends up happening is we go through the cycle, especially given the, uh, uh, given the job openings right now which there's basically uh, twice as many openings for every unemployed person. So, or close to that level, it's near like a record high. So what's gonna happen is that workers are gonna be able to demand more wages. The employers will have to give them the wages because there's not enough people competing for their jobs. Then they will have to pass on the prices to consumers. Then the workers will ask for more wages. And then the employers will have to give them the wages, and then they'll have to pass on the price uh, increase to the consumers. And this will go on and on and on until the only thing that blows it up typically is a recession. So all these indicators that recession is coming in the next couple of years, and we're going to see a lot of inflation until then, and prices aren't going down. So they're, they're living in dream world. I think prices are going down. More good news. Um, the It appears as though there is evidence that... Um, the food crisis is intensifying globally. Russia is threatening to limit vital agricultural supplies to friendly countries only. I wonder why they do that. Got people like Joey the Biden walking around calling out Putin a butcher, which I don't disagree with him. I'm just saying, like, if you say this stuff, of course there's going to be it's going to be consequences. And Russia probably not in a good spot now to start uh, drop too many bombs on people, considering they're officially failing in Ukraine. It's hard, to, it's hard to say for sure because there's a lot of fog of war there always is. But uh, a lot of footage coming out over the weekend of uh, Russia's retreat from Kiev, which Russia said that basically they already, they, they don't need to be there because they need to focus on the Donbass. But then why are they in Kiev? Really stunning stuff. Uh, just people strewn throughout the street dead. Um, and if this is propaganda from Ukraine, this is a, a level certainly beyond anything we've seen. So no reason not to believe this is real. But pretty stunning stuff our Breitbart London Bureau put out yesterday morning. Um, shocking images and ones that I know will be discussed as possible war crime evidence. But the bottom line is that Russia's retreating now in Kiev, which is good news for the planet. But Russia is still probably not happy with the way the world treated them, which is to be expected because Russia was a bad guy here, as I've said a million times. But uh, we are seeing a, a, a big threat that they're going to further withhold food where they are one of the biggest grain producers, certain types of, of grain they're consumed around the world, among other things that people tend to rely on to eat. So uh, more happy talk for me. Just so you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sunny force in the mornings particularly on Mondays. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to tell you everything's going great? The UN Human Rights Council approved four anti-Israel resolutions. This is what they're doing. Russia got a single resolution uh, condemning its invasion of Ukraine. So that's what the UN Human Rights Council is up to right now. North Korea, Iran, Belarus, Myanmar, Nicaragua, and Syria all got one resolution apiece condemning their human rights abuses. But Israel got four, 37 to three vote with uh, seven abstentions. Brazil, Malawi, and the U.S. all voted against the latest round. That's the, that's the, that's the big problem. The uh, uh, closest thing you got to a democracy in the whole Middle East, the size physically of the state of New Jersey, and this is the focus in the U.N. Human Rights Council, even over what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. Pathetic, very pathetic. But again, this is just just a more evidence that we're so out of whack. Um, Tony Blinken was on CNN and said that creating the the right to remain in our country is our focus. When asked about Title Forty Two, the focus is keeping it so the people can stay. 
We're focused on making sure the people throughout our hemisphere of opportunities at home going forward, but he goes on, building the kind of opportunity, creating what one of my colleagues called a right to remain is our focus. In the near term, focusing on making sure transit countries in particular take steps to make sure that it that folk who might come to try to come to United States through their countries can't do that. So that's what I'm focused on, whatever that means. Gobbledygook. But it means people can come and stay. Okay. Why do you think Ch uh, Trump is chomping at the bit, seems like, to get in there? Tony Blinken also hosted Bono at the State Department. How long is this going to go on, this Bono thing, this Bono obsession? We're like a good 30 years into this, aren't we? I mean, you two's all right. I mean, are, are they that great that we have to turn over our foreign policy to Bono every uh, 18 months? Seems like it. Seems like that's what we're doing. Every 18 months, got to get, gotta get, gotta get Bono in there. I want to bring up a couple Hollywood items. Disney is getting their act together by releasing the gayest kids movie yet. So this is something called Better Nate Than Ever. Super irritating title. And I watched a couple of seconds of the trailer. That's all I could take. But it's being hailed as the gayest kids movie ever. So that's what we're seeing from Disney. It just is is a constant source of entertainment to me that Disney is run by this cis-hetero white male named Bob Chepik who walked his whole, walk, spent 60 years on this planet, wherever old he is. How old is Bob Chepik? I should look this up. Not caring about any of this stuff, I'm guessing. And then all of a sudden he's 61. He's Mr. Trans guy. Coincidentally, when all of his woke employees demanded he become Mr. Trans Guy. What a disgrace. Um, so clearly not learning their lessons. Bad Boys 4 was put on hold. I didn't know there was a Bad Boys 3. Bad Boys 2 is considered like a classic B movie. I watched Bad Boys 1, a lot of explosions in that. That's Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. They make jokes in between the explosions. A lot of witty, snappy banter in between uh, car chases. I, I want to watch Bad Boys 2. People have recommended that to me for years. But I had no idea there was a Bad Boys 3. No, but people still figuring out how to deal with the Will Smith. Uh, Oscar slap. Will resigned from the Academy. People are seeing that as a negotiation. That he's no longer going to be in the Academy. But uh, he got to keep his Oscar. In the bad takes, they'll keep flying in. Hunter College professor Isa Nefertiri Yulin, whoever that is, claims that Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars was triggered by 400 years of, quote, black erasure, black marginalization, black silencing, and stereotyping of black people, close quote. That's what triggered the slap. It wasn't that Will Smith's wife sleeps around on him and brags about it on a podcast. And Will's been completely emasculated and now has to deal with that publicly. That has nothing to do with it. It wasn't that he doesn't believe in free speech and thinks that it's okay to slap comedians. It was black erasure, black marginalization, black silencing, stereotyping of black people. Only academics can come up with stuff that's stupid. Only intellectuals can be that stupid. You full story for that at Breitbart.com if you're uh, so inclined. It's just important to remember, Hollywood gave Will Smith a standing ovation after he won his Oscar, after he slapped Chris Rock in the face for a joke he didn't like. That's the one not to not to forget. I mean, Will Smith is just one guy. Is that all of the Hollywood elite stood up and gave him a standing ovation after that. Oh, wow, Nickelodeon, almost as bad as uh, Disney. Uh, Cardi B, who is one of the nastiest human beings in American public life, her whole character is she's uh, disgusting and talks obsessively about her genitals. She'll be a Nickelodeon's children's series, Baby Shark, named after the annoying kid song. That's good. The indoctrination never stops trying to sexualize our kids as rapidly as they can. 
A lot of sick freaks running our country. And not just the politicians, not just the people in Washington. A lot of sick freaks running our corporations. And then there's a lot of people like Bob Chepek who are letting them do it. Sarah Palin is going to run for Congress in Alaska. We'll have her on the show this week, I'm sure, at some point. A great ally to us at Breitbart. Um, I hope she wins, of course. And I'm curious why Congress, not something else, Senate, something like that. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll be rooting for her. You can bet on that. And three-quarters of Americans are dissatisfied with the direction of the country. I would like to interview producer Greg. Now, I only want to interview now for the rest of the year anyone who's in the, the one quarter who isn't sure. 24% say, say they're satisfied. Who are these people? I don't know any of them. I don't know a single person. Do you guys know anyone who's satisfied with the direction of the country? I mean, if you're on the left, you probably think we're not uh, doing enough about climate change and defunding the police. And if you're on the right, you probably are upset with, you know, price of gas, open border, Bidenflation. Who's left? There's 24% of the people who are happy with what's going on. That's wild to me. Um, Does not bode well for Democrats, though, because they're in, in power across the board and they run our cities. They have the executive branch, they have the legislative branch, and they're wildly unpopular. The Kentonji Brown-Jackson uh, nomination continues to march on. She had to respond to written questions, and we're just catching up on those. There's a lot of answers, trying to get through all of them. But one of the ones that she responded to a question from Ted Cruz, because there's a written Q&A as well uh, beyond the live testimony that we played for you. But she testified, I do not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. Wild. Truly stunning. The Declaration of Independence claims, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Um, this should be yet again another reason to disqualify her and any Republican who votes for her. Uh, not only should be primaried, but people should uh, should doorstep them and ask them. Maybe not their home, but at their office. Like, like, what's going on? How could you have someone who is supposed to uphold and defend, interpret, and enact our Constitution and Declaration of Independence? Who doesn't know the fundamentals of it? Unalienable rights. Even uh, uh, Joe Biden knows that one. Has she read the Constitution? Very frustrating that some Republicans will support her. And they'll do it just to spite folks like you and I, or you and me. That's what they're doing. I mean, Mitt Romney would only is only supporting this nomination because he has Trump derangement syndrome. There's no way he thinks this is actually a legitimate nominee at this point. Across the board, soft on pedos. Someone who doesn't understand the basics of the Declaration of the Constitution. Why is this person considered one of the nine uh, uh, brightest minds who are up for this job on the planet or in the country? What more do we need to see? That should be it. Should be it. We're done. Doesn't believe in unalienable rights, thus doesn't believe in the Declaration of Independence. Should not be in the Supreme Court. Done. Over. Boom. We can move on. We can be free from this, and we can go try to find someone who actually uh, cares about our founding documents. This is going to be a very, very interesting thing to see how this plays out and whether or not there'll be any lasting consequences for vote for this nominee who should not be approved. So sad. She was also, don't forget, she's on that anti-racist board of the Georgetown Day School. That is uh, just empowers some of the worst ideas we have going in our country right now. This obsession with race, gender, sexual orientation. Doesn't know what a woman is, obviously. <laughs> Who's to say she's not a biologist? Lane is our London bureau chief. He helps us cover all of Europe. He is our point person there. And Victor Orban, who is pretty popular, I'd say, with this audience, and uh, certainly 
the Orban administration pays close attention to Breitbart News. Uh, we know that firsthand. And he won by a, a big margin in the Hungarian elections. Oliver explains the details and what we can learn from them right now. Give me your 30,000 foot on who he is, what he's all about, and then um, let's talk about the election. Sure. To understand Viktor Orban, you've really got to go back to the beginning. And I'm going to do this super quick because I realize we're short on time. Um, Orban was a anti-communist freedom fighter back in the days when Hungary was occupied by the Soviet Union in the 1970s, the 1980s. There's actually a very famous photograph of him, I believe, being arrested by uh, by communist police with a baton across his neck. I think that's a Viktor Orban. Um, and he was part of that uh, intellectual underground back in those days, associated with Roger Scruton, I believe. So Roger Scruton, the British uh, conservative philosopher, who was so influential in getting basically dissident pro-freedom ideas uh, from the West into um, Eastern European, then communist nations. And then uh, after the fall of communism, uh, Orban became a political leader in Europe. Uh, he uh, had been prime minister before, uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, was taken out of power by the left. The left then had an enormous scandal in Budapest and in, in Hungary back in about, I think it was about 2009-ish, um, where there was a secret tape released um, by the pri then Prime Minister of Hungary admitting that he had persistently lied to the Hungarian people. Um, and he'd, in, in, in his words, he'd, he'd lied in the morning, he'd lied at noon, and he'd lied at night to the Hungarian people to gain re-election. This was political dynamite. There were protests, and he was out of power very quickly. And actually, apart from an interim Prime Minister before the next election, um, Viktor Orban has been Prime Minister ever since. So this today, or rather last night, Orban's fifth election victory, his fourth in a row. This is his fourth election victory in a row, which is amazing. And actually, tonight, uh, last night was his third supermajority in a row. So not only is he wow. the largest uh, party in the Hungarian parliament, actually they have two-thirds of the seats in the Hungarian parliament. That's a Hungarian supermajority. And it's so much support, that means that uh, he can actually change the Hungarian constitution. Uh, that's how it's written into the constitution. You need two-thirds to do that. So where Orban is coming from, his politics is such a different flavour to what we expect from other European countries. Think about the United Kingdom, for instance. The UK also has a very long-lived um, right-wing um, government, a conservative government, um, but they, they, they talk the talk, but they never walk the walk. In the UK, the conservatives at election time promise uh, to control mass migration, to bring down taxes, and then actually, in between elections, we see these things never happen. In fact, in the UK right now, Taxes are at the highest level ever, and no effort is being made to control illegal mass migration whatsoever. It's very, very different in Hungary. And you were saying at the beginning of this segment, he's very much hated by the left globally. And really, that's why he actually does what he says he'll do. So Hungary, uh, the Hungarian government, very pro-border control, small state, small taxes. Um, although where it does spend, it's very sort of like traditional conservative policies. Uh, one of the biggest things to come out of Hungary, like one of the most radical things they've done apart from effective border control, is really supporting families, helping Hungarians to basically have children. Uh, Viktor Orban's um, policy being, well, you know, we need more people, but it's better to make them ourselves than to import them from abroad. So if you're a young family, uh, there's government support, there's money, there's loans, etc. Even tax breaks, actually, if you have enough children. So it, when you say, why is he so hated and why by the left and why is he so loved by the right? He's just a very, very different political figure from what we're used to uh, uh, elsewhere. But as you say, he's a complex figure. There are different issues here. Um, again, the Hungarian government is run very much for Hungarians. It's very much interested in what they can do for them. Um, so it's not it's not globalist. It's not multilateral. It's not you know looking for cooperation with other states for like a, a better sort of global good. Perhaps it's all about them. So this is where the complicated sort of relationships come in with countries like Russia and China. Now Hungary is not alone in being a European country that is very energy dependent on Russia. Uh, but they seem to get a disproportionate amount of criticism for this, I think. Uh, I think Hungary, is the, the majority of their gas, the majority of their oil comes from Russia. Uh, and there have been allegations against the Hungarian government in recent days, recent weeks, especially over the course of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, that uh, Hungary is pro-Russia or that it's owned by Russia. But let us not forget that the Germany, for instance, the, you know, the biggest economy in Europe, 
also gets the majority of its gas from Russia. Uh, Donald Trump was, you know, absolutely right on criticizing Germany back in 2016 when he was at that NATO conference for basically being owned by Vladimir Putin's Russia because of their energy dependence. But people you know, denied this. They, uh, they criticized Trump for weakening NATO. But it's the same story for Angela Merkel, who, by the way, won four elections in a row. How's that for a coincidence um, with Viktor Orban? So it's a complicated yeah. relationship. Also, All another right. another good um, yeah, good, good point on this is is Hungary and China. Um, yeah, very ill advisedly, in my opinion, Hungary has been taking money from Beijing. Uh, there was a big controversy last year about uh, China opening a new university in Budapest, and the, you know, the simple fact is, Hungary is a small country and it needs money from somewhere. It gets on very badly with the European Union. Still takes money from the European Union, but they don't get on so well. So you know, clearly, it's drifting away. So. Is it good or not? That's another matter. But the fact is, the Hungarian people love Viktor Orban, it seems. Uh, 53% last night for 135 seats out of a 200-seat parliament. So, yeah, it was it was a big night. Uh, Oliver, they're trying to make Orban and the establishment media seem like Putin. Is he a Putin guy? <laughs> He's not a Putin guy. I think it's fair to say that. The thing is, Viktor Orban is accused of pretty much everything. But um, <laughs> one of the things I do, I've not seen serious accusations of this election is any sort of rigging or foul play in the vote. The fact is, this is the fourth election victory for him in a row. And if you look at the way this campaign has gone, um, the the whole premise of this election for the opposition was they were going to create this this massive multi-party traffic-like coalition against him. Um, and basically every single party in Hungary, except Fidesz, which is um, Viktor Orban's party, were going to stand together against him to maximise their chances of victory. And just to be absolutely clear, this went from on the left, literal communists, to on the right, literal neo-Nazis standing together to oppose Viktor Orban. This is how crazy it was. Um, and it, it, I say six months ago, actually they were polling pretty well and it looked like the Orban area could be coming to an end. But as we got closer and closer to the election, the polls have shifted. And actually I think or Orban's views and his policy on the Ukraine war, which is basically amounts to, this is not a Hungarian war, we're not involved and we shouldn't be, You know, to summarise it simply. That seems to have gone down well with the Hungarian people. And we've seen the polls moving move to like we were reporting last week that it did look like it was going to be a, a an outright Orban victory and so it has been I mean think about it the last election back in 20, 2018 you got 133 seats that's one more than he needs to the supermajority. He increased his majority to 135 this time. So yeah, if there was any sort of suggestion of, um, of, of, of foul play, of impropriety um, in the vote, it'd be on the front page of every single newspaper in Europe because these guys hate Viktor Orban. I'm just going to read a quote here, actually, from the, uh, the chief of, uh, of the Europe station for the BBC, Britain's state broadcaster, and her quote is this. Last night, you could almost hear the collective thud of European Union hearts sinking last night. Yeah, that's the, the strength of feeling here. If the accusations are there, we'd be hearing about them. Yeah, very interesting. Um, let me ask you about the legitimacy of an election like this. Whenever I see a huge landslide, um, I always wonder, I mean, is it because this guy's that good or is it because, you know, there's some foul play involved? Um, what is your confidence in the legitimacy of the election? Well, let me put it this way. When you have a an election with many, many parties standing, like, for instance, you do in the UK, it's not normal or natural for any one party to get more than half of the vote. They might win with 25 or 30 percent because the vote is so split. Because of the way this election was contested with one party standing against another, basically, you know, the, 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 the bicameral style you guys have in the US, yeah. somebody has to get more than half to win because it's just two parties standing. So it's, it's, it's unusual for Europe. And in Europe, most European countries, it's even more pronounced than it is in the UK. That's why they always have coalitions in European governments, because there are so many political parties vying for a finite number of votes. Here we have two mega blocks standing against each other. So yeah, from, from me, that sort of explains why we have this sort of crazy situation where you have more than 50 percent of being won, a supermajority being gained in Parliament. It's just a feature of the, of, of the system they have there. I don't feel like in this case that's a, an example of foul play. So what message does this send to the rest of Europe that this is a model that is popular in Hungary? I mean, can you look can you look at Hungary and see that as perhaps um, something uh, uh, speaking for more than just Hungarians themselves? Or is this a uniquely Hungarian situation? 
There is a uniquely Hungarian situation because of the way that Hungary reacted to coming out of communism at the end, at the end of the Cold War. There seems to be a real sort of rejection of those, of those kinds of values in a way we haven't seen in many other places. Poland is a very good example as well. Poland has a, you know, a, a constantly re-elected, strong conservative government. They're really disagreeing with Hungary at the moment over the uh, the Ukraine the you know, Ukraine war. They take very different views on that, but otherwise they tend to be aligned. The message that I think European conservatives can take away from this is that if you promise your people to engage in border control to make their lives better, if you actually deliver on those promises, the voters will come back and vote for you. Now, you know, as we discussed at length over the past 20 minutes, God knows that you know, Viktor Orban has enough you know, issues with you know, his relationship with Russia and his relationship with China, and you know, there's accusations of corruption, none of which I've seen really properly uh, proven. But nevertheless, the accusations are there. But on the, the simple things that he promises for people, he delivers on. Things like border control, like making people's lives better, like you know, delivering for Hungary. And if conservatives can do that elsewhere, well, maybe they'll get voted back into office again. pleasure when Charlie Hurt is on the show, one of my few friends that is a friend friend who, you know, social friend, uh, but also someone who I uh, learn a great deal from because he's got great analysis, a news veteran, extraordinaire, also a funny guy. And you get a sense of that in the interview right now. Charlie, it's great to have you on the broadcast. I want to ask you to start about Title 42 and these border protections that are being lifted by Joe Biden in a few weeks because the coronavirus, I guess, doesn't exist south of our border anymore. It exists elsewhere in the country where Democrats want to exist. Um, but this is one where I'm curious why he's making this move now because Democrats are just doing so badly on uh, to the point where I don't know if they can play around with something that could create another crisis for them, but they are. They're they're trying to do this, and even some Democrats are concerned. Are you at all surprised by this this decision? I guess uh, when you consider what a uh, disaster. Uh, I mean, I, you know, go back a year and and change ago um, to November of the year you know year before last. Um, you know, Biden had a, had a very simple mandate, if he had any mandate at all, and that was to quiet the, the chaos, the, the media-inspired chaos. The degree to which that guy has messed the bed in a very short period of time is absolutely astounding. And so we wind up – he runs off to Ukraine because things in, in the U.S. are so bad they can't get any worse. And then he has to run back and create another uh, – light another fire here in order to draw attention from the catastrophe that he's created out of Ukraine. So um, I guess in that respect, I guess it's probably not all that surprising. But it, I think maybe from a tactical standpoint that w what this perhaps reveals is that they are so desperate, because as you point out, illegal immigration is not a conservative thing, a right-wing thing, a Republican thing. It cuts across all cross-sections. Hispanic voters, uh, it, it, there's Democrats, liberals, everybody. Is, they're all concerned about this. And, but I, it makes me wonder that in the old, you know, the old school of Democrats dividing voters into their little racial categories and, and then pandering to each one, if the, what, what we're seeing here is that things are so bad for Democrats that their illegal, illegal alien amnesty slice of the pie that they have divided off and pandered to for, for decades now, things are so bad that they're about to lose them as well. And, and that this is some sort of sop to them, maybe? I really, I, I can't make heads or tails of it. it. It makes no sense on its face because, like you say, I think it's going to hurt them. It's going to damage them severely but but that's the best i can come up with for you know or they're just he really is that stupid and he's just sort of blundering through the next you know detour signs 
because he's too stupid to realize that there's a, a it's like in the cartoons, there's like a cliff uh, at the bottom of which is a case of dynamite. And he's not, he's too dumb to realize it. Yeah, I do wonder with some of these decisions that are so bad that there's got to be a constituency for it. And I don't know who the open borders constituency is but then i sure think yes do. i do yeah, I, I, I i i do of yeah, course it's a it's a combination of the donor class and the trying to pad the voter rolls but 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 it, but it's not but it's not a real constituency it's not the real you know it's not they're not none yeah. of them are actual voters and this of course has been the problem that, that you know you know we have talked about forever um is that you know that there are all these these very specialized freakishly uh, small uh, special interests that are sort of at play, and they, they have all the control. The only people that don't have a voice in this debate, and, and Republicans and Democrats have both been compromised on this. Donald Trump was the first politician to come along that, that it, it came as close as anybody I've ever seen to not giving a rip about the special interests. But, uh, but it really is amazing. You know, you've got your... Chamber of Commerce people, you've got your your big business people, you've got your you know all these people that come together and and, and have have their way when it comes to uh, allowing the invasion of the southern border. The only people that don't have a voice are just the American people who, you know, would like to have a border. Yeah. So I, I just don't. I am. I, I was hoping that people would have come to their senses on this because we're actually seeing a few Democrats speak up and say this is a mistake. But the hypocrisy, just that we still have some of our kids enduring lockdowns. I mean, I was at, Charlie, I was at this um, uh, Master Marlowe's uh, swimming lesson over the weekend, and they've got these idiotic plastic partitions that we learned months ago don't do anything to stop coronavirus. In fact, they actually hurt because they stop the flow. And the thing that, uh, other than a strong immune system, the thing that helps uh, coronavirus the, the most is when you have ventilation. And so we put up these plastic partitions that stop the flow of air, which are a disaster. They put up these plastic partitions between four-year-olds when they're in the water and three-year-olds when they're, in the, when they're in the water, as if that does something with coronavirus. It's so absurd. We're still doing this stuff, but there's no coronavirus south of the border all of a sudden. It, it actually, specifically on on um, uh, May the 23rd, then we, we will have no coronavirus on that date in particular. But, but also, I mean... I, Think about this. It, it, you know, setting the science aside, and obviously you're, you're exactly right about it. But setting the science aside, we're looking. You know, border patrol agents and people who have been right about this stuff all along are predicting we're going to wind up with two two hundred fifty thousand illegals a month streaming across the border once this thing gets lifted. And when you think about you know, obviously there are have been a lot of problems at the border for a long time, yeah. um, but w- d- President Trump came in and did some very simple things that uh, brought that crisis to a man- under manageable control. And this president came in and with prejudice went through and undid all of those things just to create a mess, a crisis that wasn't there. It was it, it was manageable. And, and at that point, you could have had the debate about amnesty and all these other things that, that you could have had a discussion about. But they didn't want to do that. They wanted a catastrophe. And so they, and so and, and this is going to take the catastrophe that is at the border and turn it into, you know, I don't I don't know what the next word is. We sort of we've sort of plumbed the depths of all the words like Joe Biden keeps breaking all these words like it used to be crisis and it was. Then it was catastrophe, and then you know I don't. It's, it's like they, they ruin all words because they. It's like it's like how you notice how uh, Democrats are now claiming that you know they, they don't want you to call them progressive. That's because so they they destroy. This is what they do. They it's like it's like renters that just destroy every home they get into, or like every they 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 are given the word Democrats or they choose the word Democrat, and then they so destroy it that no one wants to be walking around with the label Democrat anymore. So then they go with liberal and then they so ruin the word liberal 
that nobody wants to be called a liberal anymore. And so that's how we came up with the word progressive, which is really funny, considering they're the most regressive species on Earth. And and now they've so ruined the word progressive that now they have to come up with a new word. I don't know what the new word's going to be, but they've got to come up with a new word because they because they keep ruining all the all the words that they that they get. They're they're not even they're dangerous with language. They, you can't even give them a word. They they will wreck everything they touch. They wreck. There's nothing they can't. Well, ruin. One one use of language that I thought was really interesting was that Joe Biden saying that trans are created in the image of God last week. Uh, first of all, does <laughs> Joe Biden believe this? And second of all, if he does, why would why did he remain silent for the first 147 years of his life? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and uh, of course, you know the easy backs up, and this is the answer to all of this. Everyone is made in the image of God. Let's just let's just start with that. And when you don't accept that, then you have all these problems that they create. And when they and and you know their entire his entire career, uh, especially of late, has been dedicated to divide to not putting everybody together as everyone is created in the image of God. Therefore, we have rights from God. Therefore, uh, we you know government can't take those rights away. You know instead of just going with that, they want to divide everybody based on on race gender everything that they can come up with and uh and 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 it really is that that right there is an a frontal assault on the notion that we're all created in the image of god hard stop yeah it's very interesting point because i would like to interview biden now on this now given your analysis charlie i would like to uh, to take this line of questioning well First of all, you should assume everyone is uh, made in the image of God. And so thus your statements have an obvious statement, unless you were saying their transness is in the image of God. Like (laughs) God, I guess, had made a mistake the first time around and they were just like correcting it, that they were born into the wrong sex or gender. And then now they're fixing it uh, with puberty blockers and hormones and surgeries, basically. Uh, So is is that in the image of God? I would love to get clarity on what he means by this. No, 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 I think you, no, you're misunderstanding. I think that the the theology, the Biden theology, is God is it was made in the image of man, and therefore uh, God is as fallible as man. Therefore, God sure. makes mistakes, which is why um, we have to have like an after uh, 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 an aftermarket kit that every child is born with, and obviously supplied by the hospital or whatever, but to right. do aftermarket alterations like puberty blockers because um, but charlie because god is in the image of man but charlie who's to even say what a man is i mean you're not a biologist unless you are moonlighting (laughs) as one so i you know know, the the most amazing thing about about uh judge jackson and her claim that she's not a biologist so she can't define a woman is that the the entire uh, the entire point of Democrat nominees to the federal bench is re- remember the wise Latina, so, uh, Justice Sotomayor, calling herself a wise Latina because mm-hmm. she, only she, she and she alone could be a wise justice, unlike a white male or a white person or a male or whatever, because she brought her biography to the court. Her biography was was on display on every wise decision she made that's what made her a wise latina and now you you bring forth it, it, and and it's it's all kind of the same weird distorted mold but now you have this whole idea that oh no we're all about biography but i don't know what my biography is i can't even describe what i am even though our, my entire judicial philosophy is that all my justice is who I am. It's a really weird thing. It's 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 like it's like trying to nail Jello to a wall. It's and and it's and obviously it's a it's it's a it's a total fraud. It's a total and 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 I do I, and I think people are sort of coming to their senses about it too, um, thanks to Donald Trump. You know, he, he uh, you know for for forty years. Right. Republicans have been losing this argument with the left. I mean, it's amazing. You're losing an argument with the left 
that somehow and Democrats are somehow saying that the Constitution doesn't actually mean what it says. And, and, and somehow we wind up with the Republicans who lose that argument, which is just sort of amazing to me how you lose an argument saying that you want to put a judge on the court who doesn't believe that the Constitution says what the Constitution says. It's it's mind blowing to me. And yeah. um, so I, I want to ask you about something specific because I brought this up uh, in the opening of the show uh, that it, in her response to some questions from Ted Cruz, Kentonji Brown Jackson said that she does not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights uh, it is <laughs> uh, 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 literally at the beginning of the Declaration of Independence that there are inalienable <laughs> rights that are we're endowed by our creator who i believe is whichever scientist gave us the hormone blockers that uh, solidified whatever gender we was that's our creator in, in biden's america but but uh, this is not a joke to quote joey the biden charlie yeah. i mean this is one where it should be full stop you're disqualified you should pull your your nomination right away right or am i just living a dream world you know it's a it's a fundamental uh, misunderstanding of the, the the founding of the Constitution of our rights of all of it, and and the I and this is what you get with people who believe who don't who actually don't believe that we are children of God, and I, and I don't even mean that in a religious sense. I mean that in a political sense, because if you are not a child of God in a political sense, then then you know who's you know who is God, Joe Biden. Kamala Harris is your is your God, and they can determine that, that they they have the power. They hold the conch shell. They get to make. They can say what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's not true. They can give you. They they can give you rights. They can take them away. The whole concept of everything that we believe in, and it is the barest minimum, is that we have a a, a bucket of rights that come from God, directly from God. Mano a mano, directly, and nothing—no government, no king, nobody—can step in there and mess with those rights. And and then obviously there are a bunch of other quote unquote rights, like you know, I don't know, driving a car on 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 paved highways that come that do come from government. And you know, we've sort of it just sort of as a as a convenience, we've sort of all agreed that there are these things that we're going to sort of work out legislatively, but there are other things that do not, like being treated equal, equally under government uh, is, what, you know, one of those things. And, and, you know, it's led to that process has led to the most extraordinary achievements in freedom ever sunk up by man. And these people want to wreck all of it. There, you, you can't trust these people with anything. They, they, they cannot be – there's nothing they won't destroy. They have the worst ideas and the, the worst outcomes. Yeah, that is correct. And um, yet, though, I do feel like some Republicans are not – are just sleep at the switch here. I mean, Ketanji Brown-Jackson will probably get a few Republican votes. Uh, it just It's just stunning to me. Like, I have no idea why on earth anyone would vote for her uh, at this point. She's, even if you were on the Democrat side and want to support Biden, he should present a better nominee than this. She's just not a good nominee. Yeah. No, it's, it's – um... Again, you know, the, to, to me, um, if there's anything more amazing than the lunacy and the stupidity of a judicial philosophy that states the Constitution doesn't, you know, it do, doesn't mean what it says, the words right. don't mean what the words say, the only thing dumber than that is that you have a, a, a party of Republicans who manage to lose arguments with those people. Yes. I, it's beyond me. I don't I, I, I do not understand how that is possible, but somehow they have managed to lose those those arguments. In the, and and uh, and and, you know, we see the result of it with the courts. And, I, and, and, and part of me thinks that on the one hand, their Democrats are getting bolder and bolder about it. And that's why they put forth somebody as dumb as the wise Latina or sure. somebody who doesn't doesn't know who, you know, what, you know, can't, thinks that you have to be a biologist to know what a woman is um, and doesn't know that we have rights 
that come directly from God. Um, so uh, I, I can't figure out whether th- this is a uh, a bold move on the part of Democrats or this is kind of the end of the line. I'd like to think it's the end of the line and we've reached that 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 point of maximum absurdity that that the game is kind of up and even they realize it. Now they're kind of laughing and they're like, well, what about this one? And they're just pushing these people. And, and, and cause I, I mean, I think normal, normal people see it, you know, you don't have to have read the federalist papers to understand that this is, <laughs> that this is, we're having really bad outcomes here. Charlie Hurd again is with me. He is the opinion editor for the Washington Times. He's a contributor for Fox News, and he's got a book called Still Winning that I recommend. Um, Charlie, one other one I want to get, which is related. I wanted your thoughts on the drama over Florida's quote-unquote don't say gay law, which, of course, has nothing to do with that. It is has to do with not uh, grooming our, our youngest children, not just children, our youngest children from having the school system teach them uh, indoctrinate them into this sort of transmania that we're in. It, it, of course, if people know what's in the bill, it's a popular bill, but the media has gone full hysterical over this, uh, Disney in particular. Uh, but it, again, what are we supposed to do about Disney? I mean, we all want to boycott Disney, but they own everything. They own Marvel, they own Pixar, they own Star Wars. I mean, they own everything. So it's the, the, the all the theme parks. Are we just supposed to boycott all of it? This is a, a I'll, I'll try my best personally, but it's really hard to do, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, if you knew that that I mean, it's they're pedophiles. They're they're they torture children. They they support torturing children. They support mutil genital mutilation of children. That's what they support. That's yeah, that's what these people true. support. And I wouldn't let if if I knew that there was a you know weird church sect that was teaching vacation Bible school on during the summer that believed in genital mutilation and believed in grooming young prepubescent children into their sexual fantasies. I certainly wouldn't let my children go spend a week with them. I wouldn't let them, I I, I wouldn't patronize them. I wouldn't have anything to do with them. And uh, I think these people should be put out of business. I'll tell you my bigger fear about this is that, and I, and I think that I'm, very high on Ron DeSantis. I think that that his way of just acting like an adult and dealing with these situations the way a normal adult would, without the pandering, without the, all the ridiculousness that you get into, where you have these people who are not moored to any sort of principle or or you know guiding beliefs about how government should should work. He. He's done a, a very good job of pointing up this issue and and you know calling Disney out and I, I admire it very much. My fear though is that with a and because this is how, this is what you get with um, weak Republicans and Democrats who are very dishonest and very smart and willing to steal anything and pervert anything or pervert anyone, no matter how young they are. My big fear here is that this law that says you're not allowed to do this stuff up to the third grade is going to, to, the, to these sickos in that, that want to groom children according to their own sexual fantasies, that this to them is going to become a green light for fourth graders. And as soon as a guy like Ron DeSantis is not governor of Florida and it's some other Republican, pandering Republican, that, that Democrats will successfully turn this whole thing into a, it, it'll be like a bill of rights. For yeah, and, and, and this is the main issue, and this is when Charlie got to forgive me because I got to run, but this is the main issue, is that if we're so weak to stand up to this stuff or we think it's some sort of a joke, something that we could take a take a rain check on this, then we're not going to have a society if, if we go down this road. Yeah. But luckily, we got we got bold thinkers like Charlie Hurt, who helps us keep an eye on everyone, hold the people accountable. Thanks, Charlie. Always a blast. We'll talk Thank to you, you next buddy. time. Thanks to producers Haley and Greg Abbott, and thanks to all of you for telling everyone about the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Don't forget to tell everyone you know 
and it helps us grow and thrive. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, I want-